Holy shit, guys. Welcome to episode 9 of Into the Van. I can't believe we're almost in double figures. And it's all thanks to, you know, people listening to it, supporting it, sharing it. And, you know, this has been a real, you know, point of focus and something for me to channel my creativity into during, you know, a pandemic where there's no live shows. I haven't really been inspired to write. I've got the Next Life album uh, to plan and prep for and all that's happening. So to have this has been something that's been really fun and engaging. And, you know, to talk about the things I love, like music, marketing, promotion, comic books, film, this has been one of the best things for me. It's been such a fun trip, and today is no different. We've got Anthony Simpkins from Gems on VHS. Gems on VHS is this amazing YouTube channel that platforms so many incredible modern artists that if you haven't listened to them and you haven't checked out uh, their work, go do it right now because there's so many incredible artists like Pat Reedy, Sierra Ferrell, uh, Benjamin Todd, and there's so many amazing videos on there that you can't get through them in one sitting. You're gonna have so many hours of content that you're gonna enjoy and love and I just can't recommend their channel enough. So when Into the Van had to go digital and I wasn't going to be able to, um, you know, meet them face to face, I thought, who can I talk to that I've always wanted to talk to? I may not get a chance in the immediate future. They may not be coming to the UK or I don't know their schedule, so they might come and I might miss them. Who can I have a Zoom or a Skype meeting with? And Anthony from Gems was the top of the list. For the type of music I play and listen to, Gems on VHS and another one called Western as Fuck, Western AF, um, have been such portals into modern artists, especially they're both state-based, so American artists. Uh, we'd love something like that over in the UK, but till then, that's why I wanted to pick Anthony's brain on how he got started. Uh, Gems on VHS is fucking brilliant. Uh, Anthony's mind and musical insights and his perspective is completely unique and invaluable and I'm so happy I got to pick his brain throughout this and we got a surprise song by Josh O'Keefe when I called Anthony in his apartment in Nashville Josh was there dropping off an album and t-shirt that Anthony had backed on a kickstarter so we were lucky enough to get a song as well by Josh O'Keefe who played a Bernie Sanders um, town hall meeting and he plays the song he played there, and it's a really interesting, you know, beautiful, guitar-driven, harmonica melody song that's just, you know, absolutely gorgeous. So I'm absolutely thrilled with this episode, and I think you guys are going to love it. Um, to get everything out the way, I'm recording this on July 11th. Yesterday, my single Rock Ferry came out, and I've been blown away by it. I'm going to put the whole song here, so, you know, you can... Give it a listen to if you've not checked out already. We released a video, so you can listen to Rock Ferry now. Hang around But as 
I've gotten older I can't remember now Most I forgot some purpose Rest I forgot with time Goddamn class of 07 Wasted you branded lives I'll make it out if it kills me I'll see the other side out everywhere on spotify amazon itunes youtube it's everywhere and it's the first and only single off the next life which is coming out august 7th so you know if you haven't pre-ordered it you want to check it out i implore you to please go listen to this i'm so proud of this record and the radio plays and reviews are coming in and it's all actually happening now it's scary shit but i'm so happy but today's focus is anthony of gems on vhs and a surprise performance by Josh O'Keefe. I fucking loved this conversation, and I think you guys will too. So without further ado, Anthony Simpkins, Mike West, and Josh O'Keefe. Into the van we go. Welcome to Into the Van with me, Mike West. What do you think about that, Josh? Would you play a song later? Why not? He says, why not? That's cool. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll have a special performance. Oh, brilliant. Well, like I was saying before, the whole like point of this podcast into the van was it was recorded out of my van. 
like I'm a touring musician. I'm lucky enough to meet musicians and things. So that was the podcast point. But as COVID's kind of put a stop to all that, I wanted to extend my reach to people that I wouldn't get a chance to meet face to face yet and things. And you were top of that list because I'm a huge fan of gems on VHS. And I wanted to sit down and talk to you about that and how you got started and that, your influences and all part and parcel of it. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for reaching out and having me. And I, I wouldn't be so sure you won't meet me face to face because, like I said, I'm, I'm in the UK a lot. Yeah. I know I, I love it over there. And well, we'll see if I'll be over there anymore now that the United States is banned from traveling to the EU. But I know you guys just had Brexit, so you're not part of the EU anymore. So maybe I can still make yeah, it. Yeah, there's going to be a loophole, I think, between the two leaders. There's going to be some sort of deal to keep people traveling over because i've never actually been to the states much to my shame and it's always on my bucket list and it's always something to do yeah well come on over and uh, anytime you're here i'm i'm happy to host you and, and you can see appalachia uh <laughs> from the comfort of uh, my tennessee home you're always welcome no well thank you so much man to get into it before obviously gems on vhs what were you listening to? What was your first real like musical like influences or musical exposure? Uh, my first influences, probably like a lot of people in my generation, was uh, you know I, I love Eminem. Uh, I loved uh, Smash Mouth. That song "Who Let the Dogs Out" by the Baja. <laughs> Man. Yeah, and uh, a bunch of other stuff that's kind of in that uh, sphere. I, you know, I I don't think. Uh, you know, when you're growing up, your influences are just what the, the culture presents you with. You know, you don't, unless you're blessed to have parents and grow up in a community where, you know, folk music or any kind of traditional music is really appreciated, mm -hmm. then, you know, you're not going to have that kind of exposure. Uh, I think my parents were always into pop music, you know, like my mom loved Duran Duran when she was, you know, growing up and and um, the first CDs that we had in the house were, you know, anything from hair metal to Prince, you mm. know, stuff from the 80s. You know, that was their their uh, influences that kind of imparted on me. And so I, I've always had a really broad appreciation of different kinds of music. You know, I'm, I'm not an elitist mm. by any means. I just think music is beautiful in general. It's uh, something powerful and something that can really... Uh, you know, help certain types of people through situations that uh, they aren't reached by other means. Mm. Yeah, cool, man. Like, that's, I think, the same as me. Like, my mom was massively into, like, Motown and things like that. But as a kid, I think the first, like, two or three albums I ever bought were, like, Linkin Park's Meteora. Eminem's The Eminem Show were, like, my top two albums when I was a kid. They were, like, the first ones I picked up. I think they were, either they got to me at the earlier than they should have but they were what i worshipped back in the day well if we're talking about the first cds we ever bought then for me you know that would be around i don't know i must have been 12 and uh, i think the first cds were probably uh pink floyd dark side of the moon mm. and the rolling stones flashpoint record which i've heard later is a bad one of their records but i loved it and now i have memories of it that I'll never, yeah. I'll never be able to get rid of and then incubus uh their really famous one that had that uh big song on it, i can't remember and uh radiohead okay computer was another one that i got mm. um i think when i finally became conscious of music i was i was uh 
you know, really influenced by some of my older friends and they, they gave me kind of the rundown on what kind of uh, music I needed to educate myself <laughs> with. The beginning for a lot of people was, you know, classic rock was cool. Yeah. Led Zeppelin, Jimmy Page uh, and all that. Those characters were kind of that, that was the school of rock. Uh, <laughs> introduction. But then I, I started falling into like pop punk as a kid. And uh, then I got more into like kind of the folky side of stuff with like I was listening to John Lennon. Uh, and his greatest hits record I, that's one that really affected me i liked jack johnson a lot when i was uh you know 11 13 uh that kind of stuff i really loved nirvana that was like mm. my absolute favorite and i think nirvana's mtv unplugged probably led most people down the rabbit hole that uh, it led me down where you're you're then looking up who you know david bowie is and yeah looking up belly Belly is right so uh, that that's kind of the the train that took you to the station yeah, I think there's, it's been touched on because I think was it the 25-year anniversary of Unplugged the other month? No way. And, and I think it's come up because that was, I remember I bought, it was the Black Nirvana CD, like the greatest hits, and it had a few of the Unplugged oh, yeah. tracks at the end. And it had, um, it was the first time you know you're right had been on a record as well, I think. But I remember that blew my mind when I was a kid. And I, I think Nirvana was the first discography I ever bought all the way through. But yeah. that, that unplugged session, I think you are 100% right. I think for like our generation, that was kind of the gateway drug to folk and traditional things. Absolutely. That Greatest Hits compilation is actually one of the worst compilations of all time <laughs> because I think they took a lot of material that Kurt wouldn't have wanted to see the light of day mm. and stole it. Uh, and uh, hold on, somebody you can cut this part out. Somebody's messing with my phone. Uh what was I saying? Yeah, I think that that compilation was terrible because it had a lot of songs Kurt wouldn't have wanted to see the light of day. And it was uh, just some really awful songs on there. I remember as a as a young fan, though, I, I loved it and I devoured it from start to finish because mm -hmm. I was just obsessed with Nirvana. But uh, in retrospect, it was like reading his personal journals and listening to his shitty demos. I mean, they were just awful songs and awful recording quality and awful takes. I, I bet he's rolling over in his grave every time he plays it. Mm, probably, but it's just such a... I think, especially if it comes into your like, life at such an early age, I think it's you're going to be an instant Nirvana fan from that. But with Nirvana, I don't know, did you ever see the Montage of Heck documentary? No, I haven't seen that. That, I remember I went to pictures to see it, and it really like shocked me because it had a lot of behind-the-scenes footage that just was like raw when you've got this idea of Kurt Cobain as this rock genius tortured soul to see the footage of him actually as like an addict and things it was really like a heartbreaking picture to see and it really like rocked my sense of belief in Kurt and stuff well he was an addict and mm. you know he wasn't he wasn't a good person in that regard I mean there's uh, I deal with a lot of addicts now in, in music uh especially and uh, a lot of the people that are some of my favorite songwriters also have their own struggles with that. And you could tell that, you know, the, the, the fandom really grew more than he probably expected it to. Mm. Uh, yeah. I don't I imagine he has some pretty, pretty rough patches in his life. Mm. I, I haven't seen montage though. I, I that a uh, documentary. I'll have to watch that. Yeah, no, it is a, and like, I don't know about you, but like once, like, I don't know, how old are you? I'm 28. 
28 i'm like i'm 29 now and i remember when i was 10 and 27 i had a bit of like an existential crisis because as a kid you always think of like kirk bain you know like Jimi hendrix amy winehouse as these like fully formed adults who had like this shit together and it was like a tragic story but then as i got to 27 and then got older i was like they were just kids man they were just still trying to figure it out themselves when I, yeah. yeah well you know don't meet your heroes because they'll turn out to be douchebags is the uh the real lesson to learn but no i mean you know you gotta have empathy with them and mm. it's crazy to, to think how much uh pressure is put on somebody when their music reaches such a level and all mm. the how people are just so predisposed to have opinions of you based on the songs that you write and how much those songs connect with people in unexpected ways you know mm. i'm sure that, for example josh o'keefe i'm sure gets messages every day from people who both really really love his music and and are touched by it and also people that want to call him uh, a communist bastard because they d- just you know have some idea about him based on the things he writes which fair enough that's how the world works but you really got to have empathy with people for uh, what they're going through themselves you know yeah it's such a hard thing especially like as a music fan or like as a fan of any medium to then try and separate the art from the artist and trying to see them as like a fully formed person and even with the whole song catalog that's just kind of scratching the surface of it yeah you know people are complicated and their music is too and it's impossible really to separate you know the art from the artist in in some ways and uh you just gotta appreciate what it brings to the table for you mm. so coming on to even like gems on VHS, but before then, what was the kind of spark or the inspiration to even look at doing something like gems on VHS or just starting to film artists that you liked? Oh, well, we originally were influenced by uh, somebody named Vincent Moon who did a French documentary series uh, called La Blaga Tech, hmm. which is still that has a lot of really big artists on it now or maybe not as big at the time but uh, they filmed a lot of them in Paris and uh, it was just this beautiful uh, just reality kind of way of filming musicians off stage you know they would just document these moments just kind of point the camera and turn it on um, cinema verite would be the term to look up for that just mm. kind of real realistic not like reality show realistic but reality as it were uh, mm. you know just the truth of the moment and they just kind of would film these artists playing in the streets and playing impromptu and i thought that it was really beautiful and happened to be in nashville where there's a lot of music and a lot of songwriters and a lot of art so we were just at the crossroads of that and uh it was the right moment and the right time and the right place and i've always loved documentary and i've always loved music so we kind of put the two together and you know, just wanted to get the word out there that there were people writing songs that uh, were more than just more than just fluff. Mm. Cool, man, because it's it's a very like I know it's with acoustic guitars, it's more folk and roots and traditional, but there's such a punk ethic to it and a punk philosophy behind it. I think from even the terms of like the filming and the artist, you can see the punk heritage in the people performing as well. Yeah, I think a lot of the actual artist uh that i work with grew up on punk music um i think a lot of us did and a lot of us kind of have our roots in 
uh, harder styles of music. Uh, and, and I think that's an interesting evolution that you see. Uh, I think that people like Woody Guthrie and all those types are the original punk rockers. I mean, that mm. was nothing more punk than, you know, organizing thousands of laborers and singing songs to incite them to riot against their employers. Uh, I think stuff like that is pretty punk. And, uh, you know, as punk ages, it doesn't age gracefully. Uh, you know, old punks are kind of uh, <laughs> not exactly the coolest genre to uh, get into. Uh, punk is a young man's game. So I think that there's a lot more longevity in acoustic instruments. Kind of, It's kind of a timeless format. Uh, and so I, I think that it lent itself naturally to uh, a lot of, you know, people that grew up in the punk scene kind of uh, adapting. Mm. It's really interesting with because like punk, like it's still like three minute songs trying to convey like an emotional story across to it. So it's just interesting how like the younger generation of folk artists embraced that and moved it across. But with so you started filming in 2011, when did you really see like ripples and things coming through from you know making you know a bit of like a like leeway or headway in with gems? Well, I think uh, from the beginning, there was a lot of positive reinforcement from the immediate community. I think mm. a lot of people liked what we were doing, and, and I think a lot of the artists had really great songs, and that's kind of the reward for me, as making mm. the art like that. Um, but as far as the first moment we saw some sort of ripple of, you know, I don't know what you want to call it, success or wide appeal, um, was I think with the song uh, "Using Again" that Benjamin mm. Todd was about his addiction issues was a pretty big song on the channel, probably the most views now. But that one really took off. I think it spoke to a lot of people, and it kind of represents really well what we try to capture on the channel, which is just really raw, really uh, realistic. Mm moments and and songs that have something to say to people you know songs that people can hear and go okay that, that makes me think that makes me really reflect i can relate to this that was exactly what i was thinking you really put it into words and uh, being able to watch it just adds another layer to it mm. and uh, that was the first time that we saw something larger than life kind of happen uh and that was nice mm. i'm with it being like was it all filmed locally to start with do you have like a center over like a local base that you started from and that was how you gained traction in like the first instances with artists yeah it was a lot of local kind of involvement i mean nashville tennessee in the united states mm. is a crossroads of a lot of different people and places because there's you know three like three three major interstates that all come through Mm. the city from different places it's very centrally located and it's also music city usa quote unquote it's where there's a lot of music going down um, a lot of songwriters come from across the country to come here for different events and different reasons and different business and uh different shows so it kind of lent itself well to positioning uh, us to meet a lot of different people uh, and have a lot of different opportunities. Whereas if I was in 
you know, some town in Mississippi or in the middle of nowhere, Wyoming, it'd be a lot harder to reach people without traveling. Mm. Mm. And the um, local community here is definitely very, very uh, vibrant. Yeah. Uh, now, obviously, as like an outsider here in the UK, Nashville, it has like this music row, like pristine image of country music and stuff. And yours is kind of the antithesis, antithesis to it where it's kind of the underground, the current. And have you found yourself embraced by the Nashville culture, or is it just you started your own scene and forged ahead, and that's where that's come from? Well, yeah, I don't I don't know if I've started a scene in Nashville. I, I really don't focus very locally um, as far as, like, cultivating mm. a, a community goes, although I probably should. You know, we don't, I used to throw shows and stuff, but I've kind of backed away from that. And I guess in the future, I've kind of taken it on more of a global scale. You mm. know, we went to Lynn recently and filmed and recorded some traditional Scottish music and, and artists and, and uh, really interesting music there. And I, I was doing a lot more stuff like that right before quarantine hit mm. and not so much focusing on the local aspect. Um yeah, I don't know, and I don't, I don't do too much in Nashville, but there is definitely that music row life going on. There's the commercial country stuff, you know, and that's some people's, you know, uh, that's some people's tea. Mm. Uh, for me, that's not really what strikes a chord. But I also am not one of those people who is going to militaristically pretend like what I listen to is somehow inherently better than mm. people who just want to listen to music about going down a dirt road and slapping butt cheeks or whatever they're into <laughs> you know i'm cool with all that too mm. sometimes you just want to party i mean whatever yeah and you're in the uk and you're recording some scottish people who are you recording over here uh i was recording sorely the bard sam shackleton he's this mm. guy at edinburgh who's incredible really awesome guy busker plays a lot on the streets and just uh studies scottish traditions in, mm. in school and then uh, iona fife in glasgow who mm. is an incredible um vocalist she sings like an angel and uh does a lot of ballads and both of them are really into uh alan lomax and mm. and all the music that he recorded when he came over to scotland for a good number of years traveling around the north to you know find all those old ballads and all those old songs uh they're they're into that history and that music and so am i so it really lent itself naturally to collaborating and i got a couple songs up there while i was there and i was really hoping to come back and uh expand upon that in the future cool man i've only i think it was this week i found Iona fife my friend richard glover from kings and queens we were here talking about music that we'd been listening to and he threw threw her name up and I started listening this week and I was blown away by uh, the ballad she's got on Spotify that I was listening to. Yeah, I, I really like, uh, I really, wait, who'd you say you heard that from? Uh, Richard Glover from Kings and Queens. Oh, I love Richard. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, yeah. He's a good dude. And uh, yeah. he knows about all that too. Mm, yeah, his uh, folk knowledge as well is uh, really great. Yeah, I'm hoping to come up there and, and meet him uh, sometime. I, I know we were talking um, just a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago, and uh, 
Yeah, hopefully they let me in there again because I'd love to come meet you guys down mm-hmm. there and uh, experience what you got going on. Cool, man. Well, I'm made up. He was in Australia for a long time, and he's literally just moved about an hour away from me up in oh, Oldham. No, but- so we're hoping to meet up once quarantine ends and stuff because we haven't actually met face-to-face yet, but now he only lives an hour away. It's going to be easier. Everything in the UK is just an hour away. You guys, I swear to God, I'll <laughs> talk to them and I'll be like, hey, you know, person in London, have you ever been to Scotland? And they're like, oh, no, I've never been there. And I'm like, it's three hours away. In America, you drive three hours just to get to the grocery store. Mm. And it's like, it's yeah. not a not a hard trip. Yeah, I think for um, British people, we really take for granted what Europeans and Americans kind of like knowing. Because I know if I do a gig even half an hour away, people will um and ah about it. Or if there's something 45 minutes away, they're going to be making excuses or, you know, trying to think of ways to get out of it. But I know there's a Finnish band who like travels seven hours there and seven hours back to do band practice. And I've heard stories from people in the States driving across the whole country for shows and things and british people are spoiled in the fact you can get across yeah. the country in six hours yeah and i mean the trains are amazing mm. when i went there i was blown away by the transportation and uh, it was really great to think that i could get from you know uh sheffield to to uh edinburgh in, in no time really mm. just on on a train and and that's great to take advantage of, especially if you're uh, interested in learning about all the different music across the continent, the, the continent, the island. Mm. I really love the opportunity to do that. Yeah, definitely. And with like the UK musicians and musicians in general, do you travel around and kind of happen upon them or do you do research as you go and or do you hear about an artist and then go to that place to try and like meet them or film them or? Oh, it's kind of it's kind of makeshift. You just put your ear to the wind and try and hear what happens because you never know who's going to respond to an email. You know, you just kind of frantically search for the best of the best and people that you know recommend other people. And it, it's hard to it's hard to even in our, our super connected world, uh, it seems like it's hard to find people uh, of like mind across mm. the globe. I can't imagine if they spoke another language and I hope to cross that barrier uh, sometime as well. And, you know, get out to places where English isn't the first language and find the talent Mm. and the great songwriters of those places. But that's, that's not an easy task. It's kind of, kind of easier when you uh, can really relate and understand the subject matter, language and culture Mm. of the people judge it for yourself, whether it's good or bad, it gets a little harder to judge the quality of something when you when you uh, don't have much relation to it. Mm, no, definitely. I know I toured with a Finnish band called Samoya, and um, they sing in English, but one of their side projects, they were singing completely in Finnish. And they were listening, like they showed me some things to listen to, and it was, it moved me, but it's you kind of still have that barrier of you, you wish to understand it more, which I think can hold you back. So you have to kind of embrace it as like another just instrument, really. Yeah, no, that's really cool. I really, I really love. I listen to a lot of foreign language music on Spotify. You know, whenever I'm spinning some stuff, and uh, yeah, hell, I don't understand one bit of it, but it mm. definitely moves you just by the the tones and notes of the music. And and yeah, you do just kind of register the vocals as another instrument at that point, and not really uh, take in the context. But yeah, I think there's a lot to gain from listening to music from other places too there's actually this uh 
Sahel Sounds. It's a Saharan African label that mm. puts out a lot of these uh, sub-Saharan African bands, and they just make this incredible, uh, you know, soundtrack-esque desert music. It feels like, and they're they're really incredible. I recommend people check them out. Sahel Sounds. S A H el sounds there on instagram and stuff and I, i've really enjoyed listening to them and i have no idea what they're saying mm. but sounds awesome so <laughs> cool man i've like i'll check them out i've been listening to a band lately called Highlung. i can't remember where they're from but they're, i think they're scandinavian and they sing in poems from inscriptions of shields and things from viking times and that's all they exclusively deal in and it's all handmade instruments made from animal skin and bone and it's really ritualistic, but they've started playing like metal festivals and things because it's got that kind of energy to it. But it's got oh, this yeah. primal like. like what are they called again? Highlung. Highlung, yeah, I think I've seen them. It's you know, it's funny. This might be a trigger warning for anybody not interested in this kind of stuff, but for some reason, a lot of that type of music gets uh, really co-opted by white supremacists because they seem to really love uh, uh, anything to do with like pre-christian viking era stuff music and uh, Mm. yeah Uh, death metal has the same uh Mm. connection um and yeah it's just unfortunate that they get that because i'm sure a lot of the people that make the music have absolutely no connection or interest but uh i've when i have heard those things it's always been in connection to somebody who just has uh sympathies with uh you know interest in white heritage and culture which i have uh interest in those things but it always it's always suspect mm. when it gets brought up it's like oh why are you it's always in some argument online that i see links to that stuff from oh, like, really yeah i've seen i've seen that band before i believe yeah. crazy one because i saw that or that you do <laughs> i saw they're doing it is it the red rocks amphitheater in colorado the outdoor one on the steps is yeah. it with yeah, they're playing there. I think that'd be really cool. But it's a shame when bands kind of get co-opted for a mm. different. Yeah. Absolutely, I know Bob Dylan feels the same way about his music being called, you know, the the you know voice of a generation. Mm. Kurt Cobain felt that way. You know, music gets co-opted and kind of out of your hands once you put it out there. It becomes a, a its own beast. So, unfortunately, you got to deal with the fans that you. Uh, you inevitably get and kind of uh, grapple with that at the same time of making your music from your own creative, mm. you know, without, you, I don't know, you always try to create without being influenced by the people, mm. you know, hear the things that you write, but the two kind of go hand in hand, I guess. Yeah. I know. Cause I was touring in Belgium once and I got put on a poster as alt country, which is a pretty, you know, common term. And it's widely said as just like alternative country, but people came to the gig because they'd equated alt country with alt right, and that was a <laughs> fucking harrowing ordeal to try and express that I was in no way associated or had any of those beliefs and things. It was really weird conversation with someone in like kind of Belgian broken English trying to explain that that wasn't in any way what yeah. I was about or the performance or the music was gonna be to just to try and put that out there before I even began the show. Yeah, there's definitely a cross section of uh, people who, you know, are interested in certain genres and certain things. But yeah, you gotta, like I said, try and you gotta try your best to write without thinking about those people. 
it's tough to it's tough to separate though you know you got your fans and you got to kind of ask yourself why you have these fans mm. and and yeah i don't know i don't know what the answer is to what to do about it but it's it's uh, interesting when music gets co-opted like that yeah definitely it's such a weird discussion especially at this moment in time with you know everything that's gone on it's a weird conversation to kind of having to sit down with yourself and think about it's one of those that music and art definitely play a part in that you need to assess indeed and a lot of artists right now are having to think about what their duty is with their art and what what is their responsibility and what what they should do with their platform or what they shouldn't do Mm. and uh, i've seen some really difficult conversations go down and you know some people say when an artist makes a statement they're just capitulating to uh, a, a crowd or they're pandering but uh mm. you know when you when you have to make those decisions I, I don't think people make them lightly you know you're really thinking about what's right and wrong and mm. you know, i think artists can use their platform for whatever they want at the end of the day and uh, i don't think they should be they should be uh necessarily criticized for you know some people are like oh just go back to making music we didn't mm. want to hear the from you and i'm just thinking well it's it's their right you know yeah it's their it's their right to say whatever they want. You know, Josh O'Keefe plays Bernie Sanders rallies and uh, that has made him plenty of enemies. Oh, but, really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, what do they call you? Joe? Well, we can't say that on air. It's kind of, they call him names and stuff, you know, but then he, he doesn't care. He writes his songs from a place where, you know, he believes what he mm. says. And he doesn't, he doesn't care one way or the other, what people imagine it's about or, think that he's about he knows what he's about now i think that's the way that artists have to write and react you know just make sure you're true to yourself and what you think and say something that means something to you Mm. hey i got a question do you mind if josh plays a song right now then uh, now that i brought him up yeah if you want to tag team this as well i can chat to josh as well a bit and talk to you both and make this a bit of a triple thing if you want yeah well i don't think he's going to be able to hear you the way i got the headphones set up unfortunately but i could have him just sit down and play one for you if you want perfect okay i'm gonna i'm gonna clear out of here and let (laughs) the the amazing talented and uh well-dressed today although you can't hear it in podcast land josh o'keefe here today he brought me uh his kickstarter just went off with a hit he finished it He's getting the stuff out there, and he just brought me the T-shirt and CD that I ordered. How about that? Cool, man. Best story uh, in today's wild world. We have some good news. Yeah. What are you going to play, Josh? What do you think? Can you play us the one you played for Bernie? (laughs) (laughs) If you do have any questions for Josh, I'm happy to ask him, and then he can talk into the microphone. Well, with the Bernie Sanders thing, how did he start playing at those rallies? Oh, okay, yeah. Well, I'll let him sit down, and then I'll, I'll ask him that. What do you look for, Josh? Capo. I think I might have one. Uh, here, take a seat. Oh. Josh, one thing that he asked was uh, how you got about to play in those rallies and uh, and how that was all went down. Maybe you could uh, explain a little bit about that before you play the song. Yeah, it was uh, pretty simple, really. I uh, wrote a song called uh, We're All The Same. And then next thing you know, I was getting a call from the Bernie Sanders team, I guess you call it. 
saying they uh, want me to be a part of his uh, town hall uh, virtual rally. So uh, I thought, well, Bernie Sanders has been fighting for good causes since he, I don't know, since he was born, probably. So I thought, why not? Well, here's a tune anyway. I can figure out this harmonica. Haven't, I don't think I've blown a harmonica since the old uh, coronavirus. I had Clorox it just before this. We're all the same With different names Looking for love Through joy and pain All flesh and bone All headed home We don't even know We're not alone Links in the chain We're all the same We're all the same Black and we're white Wrong and we're right Strong and we're weak Proud and we're meek Lose and we win, saints and we sin, give and we take, bend and we break, we'll know someday, we're all the same, we're all the same. together through a mother's eyes what difference do you hear when a baby cries we're all the same no one to blame we're all going back where we all came Waves on a sea Dissolving the deep Woman and man Like grains of sand Through winds of change We're all the same We're all the same That was Josh O'Keefe, my my buddy. He's here. He's back in town. Just, uh, That's definitely if when I uh, picture a Benny Sanders rally or a Benny Sanders type message. That's definitely something I think along the lines of the same. You know, Jeremy Corbyn would probably play that as well. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, fit right in, wouldn't it? But it's a it was a great song, and it's a great uh, it's a it's a great album. You really mm. anybody who has checked it out has to check it out. He's got some great songs on it. He actually uh, took me to the UK for the first time, mm. uh, forever grateful. And mm. uh, I, I accidentally fell in love and, and, and had a, a girlfriend out there because of that. So don't know whether to thank him or to uh, never go with him again for fear <laughs> of uh, meeting uh, some beautiful women out there. But 
it was a good time. And uh, I think that we've got many more tours in store. So thanks so much for playing that for everybody, Josh. You're welcome. He says you're welcome. We're oh, done. brilliant. I have to um, speak to Josh as well because, you know, from that song and Benny Sanders, and he's an English lad who's come over to Nashville. I think that's a really interesting conversation that I'll have to have down the line with him. Oh, yeah. He would love to be on, I'm sure. Would you be on a podcast there, Josh? He says he doesn't know what they are, but he, he'd happily be on. <laughs> cool, man. So with, you know, like, gems and what you do now, do you have, like, a content calendar or a deadline or anything that you want to try and stick to, or is it just as you record and edit them, you put them out? Uh, we try desperately to keep up with a schedule. I think scheduling is really important to getting a – consistent work done mm. and uh yeah we work hard to put out a schedule and i think over the past year we've gotten pretty good at it i've got mm. a lot of video this uh quarantine actually suited me well because i had uh too many videos to edit and uh no plans on stopping shooting which is the actual fun part going around meeting mm. new people and experiencing life you know but uh well luckily we uh had to quarantine and so i've gotten around to editing quite a few videos instead of uh sitting them on a computer for all of time so mm. i can say without a doubt that i'm sick of being at home and editing on the computer but uh, at the same time uh, it feels good to get some stuff done cool and who have you got recorded that you're currently in the middle of editing Oh, who don't I have? There's all kinds of people. Uh, shoot, I mean, more there's Benjamin Todd songs. There's uh, got a some of Sorley, the Sam Shackleton out in Edinburgh that I got to finish up. Um, you know, I got one of a guy from England, Reg Moross, who I met playing uh, with Josh, who opened. Oh, op- no, I say I say open for me. Would like that? Would he? <laughs> who uh, played with Josh at a show? Mm. and uh and uh i gotta edit one of his and i got a bunch man i got uh, tons i mean just all the artists you've already seen on there plus then some plus mm. me and josh got to get around to filming some new ones he's shaking his head yes he knows it's true mm. so we're gonna talk about that too and get some stuff done some new stuff hopefully you know mm. socially distanced filming we'll get around to it and uh yeah man i got i got too many artists that i need to finish editing this mm. is the truth of it Cool, man. And with those type of artists, like obviously you've got Benjamin Todd and Sierra Fell and stuff. Is there anyone on your kind of wish list that you've not recorded or is there anyone that you've wanted to you haven't had the chance yet? Uh, I think the people that I want to film that I haven't filmed yet would be the people that nobody knows about yet. Uh, mm. I want to meet more of the greatest known unknowns. Mm. Uh, I want to meet, you know, just more great young songwriters who have something to say that nobody has uh, heard of yet you know i don't really have dreams of filming big stars that people can imagine i kind of started doing that i kind of started meeting my heroes and filming them and uh it's great and all but uh you know everybody already knows those folks are great mm. uh, i'm looking forward to just meeting more upcoming musicians people who have given up everything and uh, are really dedicated to their craft mm. uh, people who are you know i used to say on the road 24 7 and but uh, obviously things have changed a little bit, mm. so we'll see how the discovery process goes. But, you know, I like people that are just dedicated to their craft and have something to say and say it in a way that's very intelligent. Mm. Cool. And I know that's kind of 
why I started this podcast as well, because especially in England, like with the American scene, you've kind of got these upcoming names of, you know, these known unknowns, as you've said, that are coming through. And the UK has such like a wealth of talent that's bubbling under the surface. And I think what you guys have done is set a great precedent for that because it's showing these young artists to like the same generation fans and building this base. And I think there's a lot to come out of the UK at the moment. I think that we're really, you know, not copying you guys for, but we're definitely taking over what you guys are doing, wanting to try and forge that ahead ourselves. I think that's great. And I hope that you can uh, get out there and record some because it's hard to find great uh, outlets for, you know, songwriting mm. when you're not from a place. So we'll have to stay in touch. Maybe you could put me in touch with some great songwriters and you all have a endless supply of history with which mm. to work with, which is really great and a great legacy uh, of, of innovating, you know, American mm. music and also a great, you know, a legacy of your own traditional music that is uh, un, un, underutilized, I would say, mm. at the very least. You know, there aren't a lot of people in my experience in the UK that are not pensioners who are interested in, uh, you know, Maypole songs and, mm. and ballads and, and all that cheesy, corny shit that, uh, you know, young people don't seem to really appreciate or enjoy, mm. which is fair. But I think if you were to contemporary contemporize it a little bit and and bring it up to speed with today's issues and today's today's uh you know today's yeah just world i think that you know young people could appreciate much more of the, the heritage of you know of the isles and the music there i think in ireland you have the exact opposite everybody there is extremely in touch with their mm. society and the music that their culture uh, has been, you know, presenting. Uh, it, it it was funny going there because it's so different from the UK and mm. so close. I think the young people there. It doesn't matter how young you are. You you still have a sort of this appreciation for the traditional music. You know, mm. the, so many of the pubs and jams I would walk into would just be packed full of young people. You know, playing the fife and all kinds of different things and just really into it. Mm. Whereas any pub I went to in the UK. Uh, that was having a traditional night was filled with, you know, corny people with gray hair mm. who, you know, I love them to death. Uh, just it's shame not to see young people enjoying it in the same way. And I think it has a lot to do with, you know, obviously the legacy of imperialism and, mm. and people just aren't proud of the history. Uh, and, and we have a lot of that here in America, too. Uh, but we've kind of reclaimed folk music here to kind of uh, represent contemporary issues, which I think is interesting. Yeah, I think that's a really fair point. I think especially with Ireland and Scotland, they have such a cultural identity that they've clung on to. And that has yeah. been in the face of, you know, not what Britain did, but what the English did to those countries. So mm -hmm. that kind of forced Scotland and Ireland to kind of dig its heels in and make a stand and say, this is what we are. And right, England... Yeah. And you're erased. Yeah, and England kind of spread out so far that it kind of forgot its roots. And one of the cool things, speaking of like Richard Glover again, was he's been doing like a folk song either a day or a week. And then like English or British folk songs that I'd never listened to. And it's a whole new discovery of it. And I think if England could get in touch with those roots again, it'd be really something special. I don't know if you've heard of an artist called Sirius Sam Barrett. Sirius Sam Barrett. No, I don't think I've heard of him. Have you heard of him, Josh? 
<laughs> he's, no, he does. He hasn't either. Who's that? He's a lead based singer and he's a folk singer, but he's this young guy. He skateboards. He, if you looked at him on Ooh. the street, you wouldn't think he's playing the type of right. music he's playing. I'll send you across some of the stuff, but he's doing some really great things in terms of his own like spin on folk songs about like the Yorkshire Moors and that land oh. and those traditions and that history, as well as bringing in those old folk songs that he grew up on. Yeah, I think that's great. I think that it's great when uh, you can't tell that somebody enjoys folk music when you look at them sometimes. Mm. I mean, there's a place for being able to tell in the fashion, but it's nice when somebody's just like totally out of character for what they do. Mm. And uh, there's one guy in America that I think of like that named Casper Allen, mm. who's country music, but he's like uh, got face tattoos and he's like, you know, really into rap music and he'll use catch them wearing, you know, hip hop gear. But then he breaks out the guitar and he sings like a, a traditional song like Go Death or mm. something by, you know, that Doc Boggs made famous uh, in his rendition. And, and I think that, you know, that really helps to kind of shake up the stereotypes and make things cool. Yeah. I think because I remember I saw the first exposure I had to Cast Rollin was the Carvin Creases video you guys did. Yeah, that was a and great one. I remember that video stopped me in my tracks, but I think one of the appeals of gems and what you guys do is something that more people need to tap into is these musicians do just look modern contemporary. They've got the hip hop influences and metal influences, but then they stop because obviously Benjamin tell he's got like the throat tattoos and he's got all that going on, but then he stops and sings these gorgeous songs on his acoustic. And I think that juxtaposition really helps jar people and make people pay attention. Yeah, though no, it's a really interesting uh, way to way to do it. And I'm glad that they they don't kind of, you know, they do their own thing. That's mm. the the biggest part about making uh, contemporary music, I guess, is just being able to do it in your own way without mm. uh, pandering. But there's also a place for you know tr- trad music and traditional sounds and and really just emulating and doing your own interpretations of uh, more traditional stuff. I think there's a place for that too. Mm. Cool man, it's it's so weird because like I've like me and a few musicians in the UK have started a thing called Rogue Country, and um, we're trying to use like what you guys have set the kind of road for as well as that Western AF, and what we're trying to do is try and demonstrate what the UK has to offer and bring in more, you know, American like influences and artists that we've found out at the time. And kind of put that all together and it's a, i think there's a really interesting and fun movement at the moment where we get to discover loads in yours obviously from people like yourself yeah i love i love uh western they're great too a good channel and uh there's a, there is this kind of a cultivating scene for this kind of stuff and i hope it continues for a while you know yeah. times change and yeah. and popularity rises and wanes for different mm-hmm. types of, but if we can make it something uh we can make it something timeless then you know i think uh i think it'll find its niche and appreciation uh, across mm. years and across uh, many different kinds of people as long as we make the tent big mm. enough to accommodate them mm. yeah man. And i think like what you've kind of done and what weston does is take that like alan lomax philosophy and just brought it forward but if someone wanted to start like a youtube channel start documenting this type of music or any type of music that they were passionate about what would you recommend or what would your first like 
bits of advice be for people to start that? If they want to learn uh, how to play that's this type of music, or to even document it and you know start a YouTube channel or start a way to bring out the music they are fans of. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you want to do something, I guess you've just answered your own question. If you want to do it, just do it because mm. there's no uh, there's no two ways around it, and you know any excuse about uh, gear or like having the available you know, equipment or anything like that is uh, kind of pointless. Mm. You know, I film all of these on my iPhone and uh, I, I did do a lot of the audio recording on phones in the beginning. You know, none of that stuff matters at the end of the day. It's all about the content. It's mm. all about the context. It's all about your vision and your drive, you know. So if you want to start a YouTube channel about anything, just go for it, I say. And uh, don't let anybody tell you any different, you know. And the mm. only way you're going to succeed is through uh, unwavering belief in your own mm. mission because you know gems on vhs was seven years um on went before we got any kind of you know success so to speak mm. um, besides personal success that i enjoyed from achieving what i was setting out to do and that was just film music so you know if i would have gave up back then then you wouldn't be talking to me right now and uh, you're a lovely person so it's been great and <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, anybody wanting to start something should, again, just do it. Oh, well, thanks so much, man. Like, I'll let you go in a minute, boy. So the first few videos were recorded on iPhones. and No, not no. necessarily recorded on iPhones. I, I think uh, they were recorded on some, like, Canon T2i, mm. oh, yeah. uh, DSLR. Um, but I did record the audio. I would put cell phones in people's shirt pockets and uh, press the, you know, like the uh, voice memos. Mm. And that turned out really good a lot of times, you know. And uh, the, I mean, there are $800, you know, devices in your pocket. You might as well uh, utilize them for more than just phone calls and scanning Instagram. Uh, <laughs> it's a powerful piece of technology. Technology is really ubiquitous nowadays. It's easy to get high quality gear for cheap, you know. And, uh, you know, you imagine what these guys filmed with in the past, like 200 pound one ton, you know, recording rigs in the back of Model T Fords, you know, if they mm. could do that, we have all these better tools the size of, you know, a box of gum, then I think you, there's no excuse to why you can't start something incredible. Yeah. That's such a really good point, man, and that's so like, apt and true to it, and we've been chatting for like 50 minutes i know we've got a bit of a time difference so i'll let you get on with the rest of the day if you want and uh, i'm really glad like you stopped by to speed as obviously i'm a huge fan of your work thank you so much man thanks for having me again and thanks for listening to josh play his song and i'm sure that if you want to get a hold of him he'd be happy to play a few more for you on a podcast in the future and uh, i hope to meet you sometime out there in the big wide world if it ever becomes a world that one can travel in again yeah definitely man that'd be awesome either i'm heading over in the states or if you ever come to the uk i'll only be an hour away absolutely and a lot of people tell me liverpool is great and they tell me that uh it has a great irish connection my yeah, buddy man. Pat really spends a lot of time there uh, yeah so if, you, if you ever see a show with him make sure you catch it because he's a, an amazing country artist too yeah pat reedy is brilliant i actually played with him in a pub in liverpool um, a couple yes. of years back and um, he's Very a great guy as well how about that small world? Yeah. But cool, man. I'll hit a stop on this. All right. Have a good day. You too. Thanks. 
And there we go, guys. Episode 9 of Into the Van, Into the Bag. I'm so happy with this episode. That song by Josh was fucking brilliant. And, you know, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. This was a big uh, bucket list guest for me to get to sit down with Anthony and pick his brain about gems on VHS. Again, if you haven't checked out that YouTube channel and their page and everything, drop everything and go do it now because that is the type of thing that is going to keep country and folk and blues music going past these legacy acts and past this mainstream push for artists that are like against the inherent core values of this music while i think gems on vhs shows these new artists approaching these genres with such a profound respect and perception and just a view that i think is completely invaluable at this time so i hope you enjoyed it guys i'll see you on the next one until then stay safe peace